0: and welcome again to door creek church online my name is mark one of the pastors here uh so glad that you're joining us streaming us from wherever you are streaming us uh from today Uh, before we dive into our teaching today i just want to give a quick shout out Uh, for those of you that uh, give uh, here at door creek church thank you for your generosity it's going to help so many families in need now but also in the future, so we are going to be, uh, this weekend actually, a team of volunteers uh, started with our garden and they've been prepping it. Uh, This is entering into our 10th year of having a garden where we are able to, by God's grace, Uh, just donate thousands of pounds of fresh produce every season to local food pantries. And hopefully uh, this season, God willing, if God blesses this harvest, we'll actually cross the 50,000 pounds of fresh produce mark over our history of doing this. We just give God glory for that. I just want to give a quick shout out and let you rejoice in being a part of that good work here. Uh, One other quick thing, Uh, there's a lot of new things happening and unfolding in our state and in our city and in our county and everything. Dane County, right, and the Supreme uh, Court here in Wisconsin, and Governor Evers. uh, Mark Myfair, our lead pastor, has released a vlog where he just speaks to our church about what this means for us and just pastorally shepherds us through this time. And I'd encourage you to uh, check out that vlog. If you don't get the vlogs on a regular basis, make sure you sign up for them. But you can find that on our website as well. You can scour through social media, you'll see that on there as well. But, but please reference his vlog for just uh, uh, our response and just how we plan to move forward uh, in, this, in this time. And we'll keep you, keep you updated as we go. One of the most frustrating things for me, and I don't know about you, but one of the most frustrating things for me is when something that's supposed to be working, and I know what it's supposed to be doing, isn't working or isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing anymore. Have you have you been there? Uh, maybe it's something new. Maybe it's something old. But you can just waste hours of your time trying to just make it work. Uh, whatever it may be, a piece of technology or perhaps a tool, something in the kitchen, something in the yard, wherever it is in your house or in your life at work, uh, when something isn't working the way it's supposed to, it's incredibly frustrating. And what's even more frustrating is when it's completely out of your control. Perhaps it's in a relationship, or your job, or another circumstance. Maybe there's a health issue, but just a destructive force in and around your life that is completely out of your control, and we can actually find ourselves questioning our faith. We can actually find ourselves saying, my faith just isn't working. My faith isn't big enough. I I don't know what's going on. My faith isn't working. It's a now what moment in our life that we're going to be talking about today. This is where the disciples were in Mark chapter 9. See, Jesus had just equipped them. He said, okay, guys, you've been with me long enough. I'm going to start letting you do some of the work. And uh, so he equips them to do healing and casting out of demons, and uh, they're excited. I mean, you can relate to this, right, When whether it's a parent or maybe it's uh, at a job or you're volunteering somewhere, and you, you've been gifted the responsibility of a task you've been waiting to perform, and you're like, yes, it's my time to shine. I can do this. I'm excited. The disciples go, and they do it. Nine of the disciples, specifically, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and And takes a hike up a mountain. Uh, That's a different story. Well, these other nine disciples, they start just healing and casting out demons, and sure enough, it stops working. All of a sudden, they, they can't cast the demon out of this boy that's brought to them by his father. And I know I can relate when I've been given a responsibility, I've been given a task, all of a sudden something goes not as planned. It's a bit of a mess, if i got to be honest. It's a bit of a mess. And the last thing I want is for my boss or perhaps my spouse, right, or my parent to come back into the situation and find me in the mess that I've created or the mess that I found myself in. And this is exactly where we find the disciples in Mark chapter 9. Let's go ahead and read. We'll pick up the story together. You can read along with me or open a Bible uh, yourself to read along. Mark chapter 9, the second gospel in the New Testament, second book in the New Testament, starting in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, remember I said Peter, James, and Don, and Jesus went off somewhere else. Different story. It's an amazing story. Mount of Transfiguration. They're coming back. They saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And uh, Jesus walks into the mess, and you can imagine if you're the disciple here, you're like, Hey, what are we gonna, what are we gonna tell Jesus? Let's get our story together. That's what I would be doing. Let's make sure we get our story straight. Right? Uh, what exactly happened here? Is this our fault? What's going on? Like, our, we, we were no longer able to do this. Our faith stopped working. We couldn't do it. It was working. Now it's not working. Now, what do we do? What are we going to tell Jesus? Well, we don't actually ever get to hear from the disciples. We don't know what they were going to say because someone speaks up for them, uh, calls them out, if you will. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, picking back up in verse 17, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him into the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Uh Uh-oh, someone just got told on. And the disciples are in trouble. And we can see that because Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. He's throwing the disciples in with everyone else around them. You faithless generation. You unbelieving generation. And he says this. He says, how long am I going to stay with you? How long am I going to put up with you? Just bring the boy to me. And you can resonate with Jesus's irritation, his frustration, because there are things in our life where we say that, right? How long do I have to put up with this? For a lot of us, it has to do with these things. Like, how, no matter where you stand politically, like, how long am I going to have to wear this thing and make sure there's one in my car, at my office, or, you know, every time I go outside, how long? And some of us even have, like, really cool masks. This mask was made for me by someone in the church uh, to match uh, my usual attire, which says something about how often I wear but anyways, like, how long am I going to be with you, Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, you faithless people. All right, bring the boy here. So they brought it to him when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And Oh, wait. Let's just pause for a second. Think about the events that have unfolded here. So Jesus comes back with his disciples. He comes back into just this mess. This this mess that his disciples have made. He's irritated with them, you unbelieving generation. You faithless, faithless generation. Uh, father's already told him what is wrong. Jesus knows exactly what needs to be done. This boy needs to be healed. They bring the boy to him. It starts convulsing right in front of Jesus, right at his feet. The demon is just taking over this boy's body, showing its power over flesh and bone. And Jesus, heal that boy! Heal him! Jesus doesn't do that right away. Jesus, Jesus decides to have a conversation with the father. And you just look at this text like, wait, what's wrong with this? picture. For for those of you that are like fixers, right? If you're a fixer, you're reading this, and if you really stop to read this in the order of events, you're going, Jesus, heal the child, and then talk to the Father. But no, Jesus will always meet us in our pain. Jesus will always meet us with his compassion and with his grace and with his mercy, and that's the beauty of Jesus' response is that the Father came to Jesus, and when we come to Jesus, He meets us in our pain. He meets us in our doubt. And this isn't unusual for Jesus to do, by the way, just like when His buddy Lazarus died. When He came to heal him and rise him from the dead, He didn't just go straight to the tomb and heal him. He took time to grieve. Jesus meets us with His compassion and with His grace and with His mercy. The Father answered, He says, from childhood... To his whole life. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. This father is just at the end of his rope. I would imagine that was had to be one of the most humiliating things to have happened to him that, hey, Jesus's disciples are in town and they're healing people. Quick, get your boy. Come on, this is the day! Can you imagine the hope this father must have had? Uh, All the torment in his life, this destructive force, not just hurting his son, but infecting his life as well, and his faith, and he brings it to the disciples, and the disciples can't get it done. The father's at the end of his rope. Who knows how old this boy actually is, how long this father has been just pursuing uh, healing for his son. And he just says... Look, he's been this way his entire life, Jesus. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus' response is, okay, I'll heal him. I am the Christ. I'll heal him. I have created everything. I'll heal him. No, that's not what Jesus said. He he could have said that. In fact, we might have said that if we were Jesus in that situation. Thankfully, we're not. And thankfully, he didn't because he said this. He said, no, this isn't about me. This is about you. He says, if I can, if I can, anything is possible for the one who believes. And what he's telling the father in this moment is, no, 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 like, you've come to me. Do you truly believe in me? Because you see, this is where the disciples got it wrong. The disciples' faith started to become inward on what they were able to do. And Jesus is just calling this man out. Remember, he just said, you unbelieving generation. And this man said, if you can do anything, what do you mean if I can, Jesus says, anything's possible for the one who believes. Do you really believe that I can? And the father's response is one of the most beautiful responses that we have in all of scripture. He says this in verse 24, underline it or highlight it. If you haven't yet in your Bible, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Or as The ESV, a different translation, puts it, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus, I do believe you, but right now I'm full of doubts. This has been a really long road for us. And that that was like pretty bad what just happened. Your guys, you know, they couldn't get it done. I I believe you, but help my unbelief. I'm I'm having a hard time, Jesus. And that one phrase, I believe, help my unbelief, is what saving faith looks like. Jesus is, okay, I'll do this. And so Jesus rebukes the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. And it's like this spirit who had been tormenting this child in front of Jesus saying, "I have the power over this child, and if you're going to cast me out, it's going to cost this child his life. because these flesh and this bones, these bones, uh, they're mine. And the beauty is we have this immense foretaste of Jesus' power, over death and how he's going to save us by dying on the cross when he shows us not only does he have the power to cast out the demon, not only does he have power over darkness in this world, whatever dark force might be in your life, he's bigger than that, but he's bigger than death itself. And he raises the boy up, it's just beautiful, it's just beautiful, and, and then that's, that's the end. And so they start walking away. And like we would, the disciples who've been in the picture the whole time, don't forget about the disciples who couldn't get it done. And Jesus said, you faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? He heals this boy. They're walking away. What do they say? Probably we would say, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? What went wrong? What were we doing wrong, Jesus? Like, why why couldn't we cast out this demon? Why couldn't we heal this boy? And the Gospel of Mark gives us this response from Jesus. He says, this kind can come out only by prayer, only by prayer. Uh, There's a parallel account of this story in the Gospel of Matthew. It's found in Matthew 17. And we have more of Jesus' response to the disciples besides him saying uh, only by prayer he says this to the disciples in verse 20. He says, because you have so little faith. Same story. Jesus is answering the disciples, you know, when they're asking, why couldn't we do this? He says, because you have so little faith. Like, guys, I just told you why. You faithless generation, you unbelieving generation. What do you mean? Uh, you have so little faith, but Jesus gives us even more. He says, I truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. That sounds like what Jesus was saying to the Father when he said everything is possible for the one who believes. Jesus is telling them, you stopped relying on me. The object of your faith went from me To you, when your faith stopped working, when your faith wasn't big enough for this moment, you turned inwards and this kind of self-reliance kicked in and you just tried to get it done and you got nothing done. In fact, you made quite a big mess. And so just two quick things. Uh, what we can learn from this story when we have these now what moments in our life where we struggle with this question of well, my faith doesn't seem to be working. My faith's not working right now. Is, is it big enough? What's going on? Look at the two responses that were given. The d- disciples' response when their faith wasn't working and the father's response when Jesus asked him, Do you, do you really believe in me? first thing that we should do when we find ourselves in a situation in life when our faith just doesn't seem to be working. is just to check the object of our faith. A lot of times it can actually start with Christ, but then as we start to see success, we drift. It shifts from being on Christ to to being on on our own ability. And like, you know, we... We would love to have words at the end of verse 29 that's an actual prayer that we could pray to cast out demons, but for that to be in Scripture would totally miss the point. That's why there isn't one in there. The whole point is that we just turn to Jesus, that he's the object of our faith. It's not in our ability, it's in his. This is the beauty of the Father's response to Jesus when he says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief, I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you are able. I know that you have power over death itself. I know that you have the ability to heal whoever you choose to heal. I know that there is nothing in this world that is more powerful than you. But I need help here, Jesus. I need help in that faith. And he knows that and he wants that from us. Jesus meets us in our doubts. He wants us to bring, bring our brokenness to him. And this is where we can just get so sideways in our faith because uh, we need to walk this fine line where on one side it's like if we just prayed hard enough, well then God will do whatever we ask him to do because somehow our faith, our belief, can muster enough of it where we're actually controlling God. And we can take these verses how everything is possible and nothing is impossible we can take those verses drastically out of context when we start leaning that way but we can also fall into a a dangerous fall off a dangerous cliff as well when we go the other way, we go well praying doesn't even matter god's gonna do what god's gonna do anyways he doesn't want to hear from us if this story tells us anything god wants to hear from us god meets us in our time of need god wants us to tell him our frustrations, our what's hard in life, our doubts, our fears. Jesus wants this from us. This is saving faith. See, the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we can see that just in the demon's response to Jesus as this child is convulsing, this demon's going, look what I can do. He knows who Jesus is. It's not enough to know who Jesus is. It's coupled with this dependency on what he's done for us and what he wants to do. So first thing is just check the object of your faith. Is it truly on Christ or somehow has it shifted? And I'm just telling you, it so often shifts so easily. And in my own life, as I've just been kind of preparing, I've just been convicted in my own life of how I do believe in Jesus. And I've prayed this prayer many, many times. Father, I believe. Help my unbelief. And just ever so easily, I can just start relying on myself to power through this dark force that I have no control over. I'm just going to power through it. Now, don't choose the disciples. Now, let's let's learn from how the Father responded. I believe. Help my unbelief. First thing is just check the object of your faith. Keep it in alignment with Christ. Second thing has to do with just the Father's perseverance for his son. It really is just an echo of our heavenly Father's perseverance for us. But well, this father from childhood has just been with his son, wanting healing. And I can't imagine how humiliating that experience was when, when all his friends were excited that the disciples could heal, this this boy who's been in pain his entire life and the disciples couldn't do it. He had every right to just leave. He sees Jesus coming and he chooses to move towards Jesus. And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. It just goes to the end. He's at the end of his rope, but he never lets go. And some of us, we just need to keep coming to Christ. We need to keep coming to Jesus, no matter how Much we may feel like we are at the end of our rope, because Jesus will answer our prayer. Sometimes He'll say no. Sometimes He'll say yes. Most of the time, if we're honest, we feel like He's saying not, not yet. And it's in the not yet which we have the most. Now, what moments of this doesn't seem to be working? Is this working? I just want to encourage you: persevere. In the book of Hebrews, chapter twelve. Uh, We are encouraged, as the author tells us, Hebrews chapter 12 is often referred to as just the hall of faith, these uh, giants of faith throughout Scripture. And uh, it starts off by saying this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on, on who? On Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, or as one version puts it that I like, says the author and perfecter of our faith. The reason why Jesus wants our imperfect faith is because he's the one who makes it perfect. The reason why we can never have enough faith to get something done is because faith is rooted in and empowered by Christ. And that's hard for us because we want faith And we're actually told that faith should be, you know, something that's subjective. that's personal choice. Choose your religion. Choose what you want to believe. You can abstract whatever you want to make truth in your life. That is not what the Bible tells us. In fact, all the letters to the church that Paul writes, he's just reminding them, hey, it's all about Christ. It's through Christ. It's for Christ. It's all about Christ. Check the object of your faith when you feel like your faith isn't working. And when you feel like your faith isn't working, just keep moving forward, because because Christ never stopped pursuing you. He went all the way to the cross for you. And some of us, we may never get the answer that we want, and that's not actually the point. Because it is in the process of just pursuing Christ, being more devoted to Christ, and coming to Him again and again and again persistently through prayer. One of our values is uh, persistent prayer, continually devoting ourselves to pray. James chapter 5, just a few pages over from where we're in Hebrews, says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. No, a righteous person. It doesn't say the prayer of a person is powerful and effective. No, 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 no. The prayer of a righteous. Well, what makes someone righteous? It is Christ. It is our saving faith in Christ. He is what makes us righteous. We can be powerful, we can be effective because of who we are in Christ, because of what he's done and what he can do for us. So, as we move forward, let's just let this prayer echo in our hearts, this response to the Father. Father, help I believe, help my unbelief. Continually checking the object of our faith and aligning it back to Christ and just persevering in prayer, always coming back to him. Let's pray together. So Father, help us just now, even in this moment, pray. I believe, help my unbelief. Father, help us and our unbelief. Help us just bring our doubts and our concerns to you. Help us, for those of us that are kind of stuck with this dark force in our life that we have no control over, to remember that you do have control over. And that is not about a quantity of faith that we need, but Father, who our faith is in, and it is in you. And so may we just continually align the object of our faith back to you and and just be persistent in prayer. This is how we communicate with you. This relationship that's always open. Thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for who he is, what he's done, and what he will do, and what he's doing in us now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.